ओम नमो भगवते वसुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वसुदेवाय ओम माय बाउ टू द लॉर्ड वसुदेवा जॉय टू यू फ्रेंड्स इन चैप्टर इन स्टैंडर्ड थर्टी नाइन कृष्ण सेज दैट He says, I have thus explained to you the ultimate wisdom of Shankya. What is the wisdom of Shankya? It's very, um, they have the saying in Shankya, there's a saying written there, um, uh, Ishwara Shiddha, God is not proved. The purpose of the Shankya philosophy is to learn, teach you to live a balanced life, a life that will take you beyond the senses, a life that will help you to become centered in yourself it will free you up to a certain level but it's all mental and mental efforts will take you only so far and so there are three main philosophies in india and they're they're interrelated they're not just one philosophy by itself so shankya kapila was the great master who Uh, wrote and founded the Shankar philosophy. In fact, it's an interesting thing, but some uh, reading I got in India told me that I had gone to the ashram and lived in the ashram where Shankar w- lived in the desert of India, uh, in Rajasthan. Whether this is true or not, I don't know. And it wasn't that Shankar was there then. It was many centuries later. But uh, I have a certain tie with it in my own mind. perhaps partly for that reason but chankya and kapila told you why you should get out of this illusion it tells you that if you go into it it'll cause you suffering you must get out of it and the first thing that tells you to do is become even minded become centered in yourself get away from these opposites of uh, duality and uh, direct your energy upward don't let it go downward and the more you can direct your energy here the more you can concentrate the point between the eyebrows and uh, think of god and think of high things the more you will reach freedom but then he says there as i said there are three basic philosophies yoga is the next one shankya tells you the why yoga tells you the how and the ved vedanta anta means end amar or ananta rather means endlessness and uh, um anvedanta means the end of the vedas it's the summation of the vedas and in vedanta you see a teaching that proves that the vedas which so many of them because of the changing of meaning and all sorts of things that have happened in thousands of years of their existence to change the meaning of words change the uh direction of a, of grammar and different things that uh um they vedas seem like just pastoral poems but in the vedanta you see that it's a very high teaching vedanta is what teaches but aham brahmasmi i am brahma i am he tatvamasi dawat that these highest truths that help you to realize that you are not this body you are not this ego you are the infinite one so shankya doesn't tell you so much of what that is yoga vedanta tells you where you're going and the reason why you should not only 
give up this world, but what you have to look forward to. But yoga is the most important one from where we are right now, because yoga is what tells you how to do it. And yoga is a very down-to-earth subject. It's not just strange huffing and puffing, breathing exercises, and assuming pretzel shapes. Actually, it's based on the, the teachings of Patanjali. And he said that there is the Eightfold Path. People make the mistake of calling it the Eightfold Path of Patanjali. It's not his path. It's the same path everybody follows. What Patanjali did was explain that path and show how to achieve that state. And the path, the eight-limbed path of yoga is, first of all, yama-niyama, the things you should do and the things you should not do. We've been going into that quite a bit. I won't go into it right now. The next one is asana. Asana means posture. It does not mean all those pretzel shapes and so on. Hatha yoga is a good thing. It's based on that second or that third uh, stage of uh, Patanjali's Eightfold Path. But it's only based on it. It wasn't recommended by it. That does not mean that Hatha yoga is not a good system. It's a wonderful system. We have a system called Ananda yoga, which helps people to understand that the position of the body is only part of it. The mind and the body are interactive, and certain bodily positions help not only physically, but they help to induce certain mental states. Therefore, in our Ananda Yoga system, we also have affirmations that go with each posture so that the posture can help your mental unfoldment. But then comes the need after you've, the real meaning of asana is to be able to sit straight with a straight spine and your body completely still. And you can say that you have attained asana if you can sit without moving for, let us say, one hour. Then comes pranayama. And this is where yoga comes into the picture. And most people think that pranayama is control of the breath. But prana actually means life force or energy. And this is a very interesting thing that these teachings should now be brought out into the open because we are now in an age of energy. Everything man does now is based on energy. You know, when Franklin first discovered the electricity from lightning, his fellow scientists laughed at him. But now we know that everything is energy. And uh, the, the understanding that this is the case has helped people to, to realize that yoga is a very practical thing. I'll explain that a little bit more in my next talks, but I want to say for now that uh, if you want God, don't think that it's just enough to sort of pray for him. The, the Catholic prayer, Holy Mary, Mother of God, etc., um, pray for us sinners. Don't call yourself a sinner. Master went to the church of Amy Semple McPherson, the... Uh, Foursquare Gospel in Los Angeles. And uh, she, Amy Semple was up there and she shouted, you are all sinners, get down on your knees. And Master said later, I was the only one who was not kneeling because I would not admit that I'm a sinner. What's the use of telling yourself you're a sinner? You don't get out of sin by affirming it. Say, yes, I have made mistakes and sin is really only a mistake. It's not something that each time you do it, there's a heavier skull 
on the face of God looking at you with anger and judgment. Good God, he put you in this position. He knew you'd fail. But he hoped that by gradual learning and understanding, you'd get out of that failure. And in fact, bit by bit, everybody does. This is the importance also of uh, reincarnation. I talked to a Catholic Monsignor recently in Italy, and he had wanted to come see me, so that was a good thing on his side. But uh, he was very strong in thinking that a saint is just to discover that you want to please God. There's a lot more to it than that. I said that if you think just, just doing good is going to be enough to take you to the highest heaven, it doesn't work that way. Well, he, he kept thinking that was all it was about. I said, this is where we have to bring in the subject of reincarnation. And he hastily left the room. But later he telephoned and asked me to pray for him. So that showed some openness on his side. Anyway, we have to realize that to achieve freedom, we must do certain things. We can't just let God do it all. We have to run. He won't run for us. We have to climb that mountain. He won't lift us up and punk us on the top. There is room for self-effort. And that's where yoga comes in. And yoga is related from the beginning to this whole question of energy, which is why this is the age in which yoga could be taught. Joy to you.